Every August, right before school starts, I get anxiety. <sighs> I can't sleep. Tossing and turning and trying to fall asleep in the nights before school resumes. Okay, deep breaths, deep breaths. And the August that sucked the most was the one before my final year of undergrad. Let's try counting sheep. Did I sign up for too many classes? One sheep. Oh my god. Have I forgotten how to write papers? Two sheep. What if I don't get a job? Three sheep. Should I do another internship before I graduate? Four sheep. Oh my god. I'm gonna be a barista for the rest of my life. And meanwhile, in the offices of the Philip Austin building, a professor sits at her desk with a matching set of anxieties. I think the week before classes start is mostly me just freaking out. And like, oh, I'm switching texts around, like changing the font in my syllabus, trying to speculate, like, what will this room feel like when I walk in? And um, can I make my stupid jokes? And We panic in our separate spheres, and then we put ourselves back together, try to smile, and go to the first day of class. That professor? Professor Victoria Ford-Smith. I'm Ali Oshinsky, and this is Professors Are People Too, a podcast about the friends you didn't know you could have, the advice you didn't know you could ask for, and the first day of class stresses you didn't know your professors had. Okay, so it's the first day, this golden paragon of academia. Literally, everyone has sun in their cheeks, and they all look well-rested enough to remember that they actually love this college thing. But to me, it kind of feels like a facade. Underneath my first day of school outfit, anxiety is bubbling up. It's my senior year of college, and I have no idea what I'm doing at the end of it. On this first day, we're walking through the syllabus for a class called Once or Twice Upon a Time, Fairy Tales and Adaptations. And already, this class is different. There's a Disney movie on the syllabus, and we're all sitting around one big table. And with this smaller room with all seniors, there was this kind of, like, undercurrent in the room of... Sometimes it was stress. Oh, yeah. And there's this other thing. We're all senior English majors. And we're all thinking... What am I actually going to do when I leave (laughs) and graduate? Uh, Many of you are facing, like, deadlines and, and... applications. And for Professor Smith, it was also a stressful moment. Yeah, I wasn't at like a high point on the first day of our class because I had had a setback with the book. And so what's the big deal with the book? To be tenured at University of Connecticut as an English professor, you need uh, a book, a monograph. Um, And I have one. I probably worked on it for about a year to a year and a half. And then when I went to submit the revisions, they dropped the book. So I had to kind of scramble to uh, find a new publisher in time to get tenure so I can stay here because I like working at UConn. (laughs) So here we are on that first day, sitting around one big table with our separate stresses. And we're reading The Princess and the Pea. Once upon a time, there was a prince. He wanted to marry... Just like the princess, we're all sitting pretty on this first day of school. The books are new and the semester is fresh. But all we can think about is that one little problem creeping beneath the box spring. Everyone asked the princess how she had slept. Oh, just dreadfully, the princess said. I barely closed my eyes all night long. Goodness knows what was in that bed. I was lying on some... Most of us are senior English majors. And in less than nine months, we'll be heading out into the world with a degree we can't be sure will be valued. 
that I'm just black and blue all over. It's really dreadful. Wait just a second, Allie. It's way too early in the episode for moody music like that. Plus, I'm not giving this class enough credit. This class was awesome. What did you think of the class? Like, full disclosure? It was my favorite class in the whole world. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> That's... My name is Serena Manzi. Um, and I'm Tasmanian actor. First of all, like, the people in our class, we were all, like, such a... We all, like, functioned together so well. Like, I was so excited coming into that class. I never once, like, <laughs> wanted to miss <laughs> to this skip. class. Yeah. It was a lot of, like, girl power going on. It was. I'm not the only one who loves Professor Smith. She's just, like, one of the most, like, caring and understanding professors I've ever met. And also, this is a course about fairy tales, which is, like, kind of rare in the course catalog. The way the special topics courses work, which includes the senior seminars, is you request to teach one and you have to give like a title and a couple sentences of description, maybe a couple things that you might. For me, when I pitched it, it was kind of along the lines of um, we have these like canonical stories, right? We have Hansel and Gretel and Cinderella and Snow White, and um, they seem to be coming back with a spe- like special force right now in TV and movies and literature and art. Uh, and I just want to like think about, you know, kind of unpack and theorize why that's happening and how it's happening. And But also, if I'm being honest, because I'm like, people will sign up for a fairy tales and adaptations class. Like that's something people will want to take. And she was right. We wanted to take this course because it was fun. It kind of felt like cheating because it was like, Fun. fun. Yeah. yeah. It, was it was like an enjoyable, it like took stuff we like and then we learned stuff about them. Yeah. It's like, oh, so this is like relevant to my life because right. I'm never not going to watch Disney movies. Exactly. Like, <laughs> yeah. But now I'm more critical and I see Snow White and I'm like, you know what? Honestly, honestly, no. <laughs> there was something more to this class than just fun. And it's in what Serena said right there. This class was 98% female. We all grew up with this stuff, with Disney and Snow White, and we were inundated with it. My sister and I watched Snow White so many times, we broke the VHS. In this class, we learned how to be critical of what we used to take at face value. I also got to do some research about Disney princesses and feminism. I found that the era of princesses we grew up with, Ariel, Jasmine, and Belle, were actually the least empowered Disney princesses over the course of history. I mean, think about it. Jasmine's biggest problem is who she's going to marry. And Ariel literally gives her voice away for a man. And the movies are passing off these women as their own agents with beautiful soundtrack-filled lives. These were our role models growing up. And now we were here, educated women in college, in a fairy tales class, trying to figure out how these role models kind of screwed us up. But first, let's get our Little Mermaid on. Okay, that's enough. So when I was in college, it was really cool to not like Disney. Like it was like the cool thing to do or the smart thing to do was to really critique and and pull it apart and hate it. And then when I started teaching at the college level, like starting when I was in grad school and and here, I ran into a lot more students who really loved Disney. 
And they, they might be critical of it, but it was more a part of their growing up than it was ever from, was for me. And, and so when I pitched this class, I'm like, I don't want to deal with Disney. Like, I just, I can't handle dealing with Disney. I think when I started thinking through the class, Disney is so unavoidable. We didn't do a lot of Disney, actually. No, we didn't. But, um, and the, and the other thing that is completely unavoidable is that so many retellings of fairy tales are feminist retellings. Like it's, it, it has the lion's share, mm-hmm. I think, uh, of this type of work. And so I worked really hard when I was assembling the syllabus to both avoid Disney and to like offer more than feminist retellings. Cause mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, this is not a feminist fairy tales class. Yeah. But then when we got in the room, we returned to it over and over again, whether it was because of where you guys are situated, you know, as, as, as women, or whether it was the text we were reading or the political climate that we were working in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, okay, you know, this is actually a productive part of the class that I should have just embraced from the beginning. Right. You know, just because it, I was, it was going in this direction that felt really great, but that wasn't planned. And that-, and that was kind of a theme for the semester. Things going really well, but not exactly being planned. On that first day, Professor Smith gave us this assignment that went a little different from how it was planned. I asked everyone to present, I think it was like a five-minute um, explanation of a challenge that you were encountering in writing for the class. Um, and it could be either a research problem or citation problem, organization problem. And then the second half of the presentation was designed to help the entire room kind of brainstorm solutions. So basically tell the professor what problems you have with her assignment. The worry I did have about that assignment was I was pretty much asking everybody to stand up and say, this is something I can't figure out, which I feel like we don't do often in classrooms. Like you raise your hand when you have an idea. So that was the plan. But this is how it really went. <laughs> we would all make a presentation about our woes, and then we would present, and like, this is why I'm suffering. But it worked. It really worked. What happened, which I think was interesting and I did not anticipate, was it was kind of like a therapeutic exercise. <laughs> it was. <laughs> I think more than anything, like, there were, people were generating ideas about, like, okay, how do you solve this? But it was right. mostly like, yes, me too, like... I sometimes I just go eat a donut when that right. happens. Like, and you participated in that. Yeah. Yeah. Did you th- think like, okay, I'm going to do this assignment and everybody's going to sort of say what their problems are and then I'm going to relate my own? Or did you think like that it would be sort of self-contained? I think I was anticipating sharing it actually because um, that when I meet one-on-one with students or uh, when I'm talking about their writing to me, that's the most powerful thing I as a writer can hear. Be like, yeah, no, I struggle with this all the time too. And it's also just really true. And I, it makes me feel better to see, oh yeah, we're all, yeah, how do we write this sentence? Yeah. Um, and, and I'm glad that that assignment worked because I think that we don't talk enough about things that are hard for us or failure. Like I'm all about, I was just talking about this this weekend. I'm all about talking about how much I fail at things. Like this is my new thing. Because nobody talks about how much they fail, especially in academia. And everybody here fails all the time. Like they get articles rejected and they miss a deadline and, you know, they get a reader's report that's just really mean or, you know, they can't figure out how to write this essay, but a lot of people hide it and then it makes it so that when you're feeling it, you feel completely isolated. When we presented, Professor Smith would chime in and share issues she was having with her book. 
And she'd do it with such sincerity and humor. Of course you're procrastinating. Like, everyone's procrastinating. Like, I'm procrastinating like five things by having this conversation with you. (laughs) In sharing her woes with us, Professor Smith was communicating something bigger about the relationship between learning and teaching. In this class, I learned that we don't have to do it all on our own. At this point in college, we're mostly done being told what the interpretation is, and now we're on to interpreting it ourselves. And the fear is that in just a few months, it's going to be all on us. But it doesn't have to be. Everyone in that class felt like they were at a precipice, looking out into the foggy and sometimes sublime future of a college graduate. But there we were, sitting around one big table in a final class of college, and we're sharing and maybe complaining a little, and we're learning how to lean on each other. Because that's something that doesn't go away after graduation day. But this past semester was a different story. I was busy. I had an internship at WNPR in Hartford, including a commute, two part-time jobs, a couple of classes, all the homework for those classes, and the future to worry about. While wearing all these different adulting hats, I felt the added pressure that soon, I won't just be the intern. I'll be the professional. So maybe I should start acting like it. Stop your whining, cook your own meals, and most of all, start working like a professional, including this podcast. So being the office hours junkie that I am, I went to Professor Smith to do a presentation on my woes. Okay, so could we do like the five minute? Okay, let's do it. So this is my presentation on podcasting troubles. You know, what do I do when I don't have inspiration? What What's triggering this okay. is that I'm working at NPR and I'm seeing that they produce five shows a week for two shows, you know, mm-hmm. for two separate programs. It's just like, wait, am I, am I giving myself too much time? Am I indulging it? Mm-hmm. I'm not working at the professional level. You know. And in the same spirit of the original exercise, Professor Smith responded. Okay, so if I'm going to be like the class, I make me and the entire class. Yes. <laughs> you can use different voices, too. That would be disastrous. <laughs> and I guess the first, like, now that I have the context of you working at NPR and, like, what you're comparing yourself to, like, me, to me, like, that's the key piece of information. Because I'm kind of like, of course they're doing it faster because they're, they've been doing it longer than you have and they are only doing that. You, if you're going to do the thing where you pause and, like, evaluate, like as you work, it would be like evaluating your expectations about where you are as a podcaster, right? As like somebody who's learning how to do this. So if it takes you longer, it's like absolutely fine because it should right now. And then we went beyond the original exercise. We pinpointed the problem. There's nobody there to like check you when you are over investing your time in things that maybe you shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. So like, I wonder, and I'm actually thinking through how I can do this with my work as I do this. <laughs> and we work towards the solution. So let's think about this. Okay. Let's- I, let's, I'm writing an article right now. Mm-hmm. I've been writing this article for like months. It's ridiculous. Like it needs, to, I just need to sit down and write it and stop overthinking it. Mm-hmm. Let the brainstorming session begin. Are there questions that we can ask ourselves periodically, right? 
to like stop overworking it to like or, or determine Ooh. whether continuing this type of work is productive anymore okay we're gonna brainstorm yeah let's write it I'm down thinking okay. we structure it like an ice cream cone like one two three so our first level concerns we're like, we should give them each like titles okay so this is like um i'm gonna say health and well-being yeah some realistic starting points would be like have i drank enough water have i eaten have i been outside have i stood up in the past <laughs> three hours right if we were really thinking this through we would have an acronym okay i think we're too far in at this point so then the next sort of level of questions so this will be a work related what's my goal how long have i been working on this one task Mm -hmm. is the way i'm approaching this work going to get me there what am i answering in this project you know i like that too and then third level is it like an existential check-in i like it (laughs) I like how those two things are kind of intention, like a check-in about your very Let's just check in. As we worked on these questions, I started to feel the distance between myself as I am now and the professional I'm going to be shortened. Because I saw Professor Smith dealing with the problems that I thought I had to get over to be let into this group called adults. In fact, with Professor Smith, there's none of that invisible barrier between the college student and the adult because she sees college students as adults. Naturally, I have a theory about this, and I'll let Tasmin and Serena start to explain. But the thing I like really appreciate about her is that she talked about how she thinks that children... Um, deserve more validation. Deserve more validation, and they have yeah. authority and Like, agency. they're not humans in training. Exactly. And I was- in Professor Smith's class, we weren't just adults in training. We were adults. She could see that having trouble with the work was actually part of the work. And because of this realistic view, she saw that our lives flowed between homework and life. We were embodied students. So you have to take into account a person's, like, the life around their brain right like it's not just like you're talking to a room full of potential midterm takers that you know but they have like a body around their brain that is not not just like oh maybe they didn't sleep enough last night and maybe they have you know they have a financial problem right now that's really hard for them or they just broke up with their girlfriend or or something like that if you try to make your problem sterile right if you come in like okay i have this contained problem about how to read this chapter of Bleak House. Like, you can do that to a degree, but there's no way that it's not going to be porous. In children's books, there's always a moral at the end, something to show young and impressionable readers which way is up. But we all know that in real life, that doesn't actually happen. Nothing wraps up in half an hour. And the only person who can tell you the moral is yourself. So I guess it's no surprise that three weeks out of college, I don't have any conclusions to share. In this class, I read an essay about how children are also authors of their own literature. They take in the world, they read fairy tales and watch simplistic TV shows, and then they interpret it, creating their own conclusions. In doing that, they gain something more powerful than a moral. They start to develop the skill to read their own compass, to navigate for themselves which way is up. In Professor Smith's class, we read Little Red Riding Hood and Bluebeard. We pulled apart the problems and the metaphors. We analyzed the morals at the end. She reminded us that as children, these conclusions didn't work for us. 
and they don't have to now. As I pack up my little basket of skills, put on a cap and gown, and head into the dark forest of adulthood, I actually feel okay. Because I know now that the story is mine, and I don't have to have conclusions to be an adult. Professor Smith didn't tell our class how to fix our problems. Instead, she gave us a more valuable skill. She helped us to strengthen our compasses, so we could start down the road to form our own happily ever afters. Thank you, thank you, thank you to so many people for their help with this episode. Thanks to Sean Forbes, Melanie Hepburn, Jason McMullen, Danielle Shalhoub, Ryan Karen King, and Pavel Kostik for their help and support with this episode. And the biggest thanks goes to Professor Victoria Ford-Smith. Thank you so much for letting me interview you like a million times and making me laugh really hard all of those times. If you love professors or people too, subscribe or leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or whus.org. And stay tuned for, in the very near future, the final episode of the season! Until then, I'm Ali Oshinsky, and this is... Professor. 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 Professors are people, too. Professor Smith should get tenure. Professor Smith should get tenure. She should get tenure. If I could give it to her, I would. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.